Welcome to the first episode of Mixed Methods. This is a podcast about the hows and whys of UX research. Some episodes are method-specific, like today's. Some will be about larger industry questions, and some are just about career development in the space. All are meant to help us speed up the learning process as researchers. If you want to become part of the conversation or suggest topics you'd like covered, join the Slack group found under the community tab at mix-methods.org. So without delay, here's today's episode. This is corny, but if you ever do like a ropes course or like a team like like playing a game or something, the structure's there and you're just you're having fun together and like it's like that only you're actually doing work. Jake Knapp is a design partner at GV, formerly known as Google Ventures, and the inventor of the Design Sprint, a new UX research method that revitalizes a number of older methods to meet a new generation of UX professionals' needs to innovate smarter and faster. He, along with John Zerotsky and Braden Kowitz, authored a book on the subject called Sprint. This is Ariel Sianflon, and you are listening to Mixed Methods. Today's episode... Big questions, better answers. Why you should try a design sprint. Our conversation today starts with Jake explaining exactly what a design sprint is. Design sprint is a five-day process. And I should say right off the bat that you're very kind to say invent and, and new and brand new, but it's it's a lot of old things. It's a lot of things that people have been doing for a long time and things that inspired me as I was as I was getting started. So what's different about the design sprint is that it's a very regimented recipe for running these methods uh, all together and getting to a place in a week where you're testing a prototype. So you get a team together, you clear the schedule, you're all in the same room for this for the whole week. And on Monday, you make a map of the problem. On Tuesday, you sketch different solutions individually, not a group brainstorm. On Wednesday, you make decisions about which of those solutions are the best and what you're going to try to test. And then on Thursday, you build a realistic prototype or sometimes even two or three competing prototypes. And then on Friday, we test it with customers. And again, this is like it's it's a one-on-one customer interview. It's the kind of thing if you're doing research, you're probably – done you're familiar with but what's cool about doing it in this really fast way is that we're able to get it get that as part of the discovery that process that people often do we're able to really put a lot of structure around it make it easy for teams to reproduce it make it easy for people who might not be excited about research to get excited about it see the value of it for the whole team to watch together so there's a lot of magic that comes along with doing it in the sprint but there are also a lot of old ideas in there just repackaged yeah i mean that's probably true of almost any new it's true it's true there are very few entirely wholly new things yeah well do you want to maybe speak to you know what was the inspiration for it because like you said you did you know you took all these old things you kind of repackage them in this very specific way. I love reading through the book and it's like, get this side of dot sticker, <laughs> yeah, get yeah. this color of post-it note. And I was like, this totally speaks to me as like an ENTJ. I'm like, really? <laughs> I get this. Yeah. The, I think it's definitely the the big insight with sprints is that like dorkiness might have a place that if you like really just nerd out about the process and the specificity and everything, that that actually might really help. And, and you know, I think it has. I think it actually makes a big difference to not 
not have to worry about how should we do this, which I so often struggled with in my career. What's the best next step? How do we make a decision as a team about this? How do I go off and do my best work? Whatever. Uh, to have that part regimented and then just be able to focus on solving a problem is a big deal. But the one of the big inspirations for it, actually, and in the book I talk about kind of my own personal reason for wanting to, to make my work more efficient. I have kids and I wanted to I just sort of realized that my time at all times of the day was precious. I wanted to be spending it well, and I didn't think that I was spending it well at work on most days. And so I, I just kind of tried to decode how to, how to make that happen. But one of the big inspiration moments for me, realizations, was when I can't remember what exact project was going on, but I, I was working with Michael Margolis, who's my colleague now at GV, and, and we worked together at Google previously. And uh, we were working on something, and we had some deadline. I can't remember. I think it was. I think he was running a, a, some research, and I had to get something ready for it, a prototype. And I, you know, to be honest, had had been kind of churning on stuff, and probably spent spending weeks or longer working on something. And then all of a sudden, this deadline was coming up, and I all of a sudden got a lot done. And and he was like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you really get a lot done right before Michael the deadline. Called Michael called that out to me, and I was like. Oh, you know, you're right. Like I, I should. And he said, you know, maybe, maybe you should start just scheduling things in advance. And you know, and this is not, like I, this probably says more about me. But like he's like, you should just schedule some deadlines, and you'll get more more stuff done because you sort of switch into a different mode. And then I was like, man, I, I should. Maybe that's like that's maybe there's like a secret there to to getting all the things that we need to get done as a team. And so. That was kind of uh, that was one of the big inspiration points was was seeing that and then I think um, there's there's a bunch of others most of the others are have to do with frustrations that I had and being frustrated with things the way things normally worked but that was one of the moments where I was like oh there might be some magic to deadlines yeah. and manufacturing a deadline might work just as well as a real <laughs> deadline yeah maybe we could rename the design sprint the procrastinator's guide to getting <laughs> yeah, design work done totally totally yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's interesting listening, you know, just what you were saying in the beginning about having kids and wanting to make sure you're getting the most out of your time and, you know, kind of taking all those small decision points out. It almost reminds me of, you know, Mark Zuckerberg wearing the same shirt every day where it's <laughs> yeah. like you get rid of all of the kind of, you know, unimportant decisions that you are constantly making in design work or just even making about how you're going to, you know, make a decision. Like that's really kind of what the design sprint lets you do is take out all of the unimportant stuff and really focus on the deep work of designing a great product. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a person who struggles with procrastination, struggles with focusing. I, I'm like, my attention is all over the place. And I mean, we have these wonderful snacks at Google. I just want to go back and back to the kitchen. And like, for me to just sit down and do something, it's just like in a day, it's it's hard. It's actually not, it's not easy. And, and a lot of the things that are in the sprint are sort of rails that help helped me get focused. And as I really tried to sort of formalize those, it, you know, I realized like if you get other people involved too, it's even better. I mean, then you have peer pressure because if everybody's doing the same thing together, it's a lot easier to run a script. And and so, yeah, it really is kind of just like a way to clear out all of the the need for willpower, the need for, you know, questioning like what's the what's the best way to do it. And, and then, you know, 
you can you can like put it on us. We have tried and failed a bunch of times with different iterations of this before we hit on the thing that worked. And so it does work and then you can trust it and then you just solve the problem. Yeah. Well, you know, you just said we tried and failed a bunch of yeah. times. Because, I mean, the design sprint obviously didn't happen overnight. Yeah, uh, it was no. about a two-year process. Even longer, really. I mean, because a lot of the things that I was learning uh, I was doing for years before I even started using the word design sprint. So, I mean, some of the stuff I talked about with Michael, like, you know, like churning for, for months on things and then realizing, oh, my gosh, when there's a timeline, I, I do more. And that actually took me a few. There was a few things that had to happen before I noticed that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of I picked up things that other people have been doing for a long time, you know, design thinking stuff, all kinds of things. And, and so those have been around for decades. And in my own work, I had been working for probably 10 years just trying to make my own work as efficient as possible, trying to figure out how to do design work, what the best steps were for me, and formalize that. And then when I started doing design sprints, it took, I think, about three or four years before we really hit, like, a consistent formula that worked every time. And we stopped experimenting so broadly. You know, we, we ruled out most of the failures. <laughs> were there any, like, particularly, I don't know, interesting or funny stories that stood out from the... <laughs> The experimenting yeah, phase yeah. of the design. Most sprint. of them are just sad. They're not funny. <laughs> you know, most of them are like <laughs> like things fell apart. And the, the, the you know we talk about this a little bit in the book, but I think one of the ones that it's the most painful and it's not funny really at all. But we we did the sprint and and everything went great and we tested this prototype and it, customers Squid responded Co. well. It's probably Squidco. I made up all the names. I can't remember <laughs> which is which now. But then at the end, the, it turned out we didn't have the decider in the room and and then like it just what we had come up with did not match her sort of vision of of the product which is like it's super frustrating at the moment but then also you like you take a step back and it makes sense like you you can have something that tests well but doesn't actually match what you're trying to achieve as a company and like that was a big wake-up call about like that needed to be in every sprint we needed to have that person involved but um but it's yeah it's not so funny exactly (laughs) you say as you laugh yeah yeah yeah. well and that i'm glad that you called that out because that was one of the things uh, that really stood out to me about the book was this emphasis on the decider because i think that typically as a you know user experience researcher user experience designer you're very user focused and you know you almost push back on yeah. you, the the decider in your organization you know there's there's typically like some conflict there and i felt like in the book you really kind of changed the paradigm to you know we're here to enable this person and we're here to like get them to make the best decision possible because yeah. there are all these different points where the decider gets a bigger you know gets extra totally. stickers yeah. or yeah. the decider actually at the end of the day you know gets to pick like you even have a story in the book where the decider kind of tries to make it, you know, more democratic and it ends up failing because weeks later yeah. he goes back and actually picks the thing that he wanted to do originally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it is very much engineered toward the decider. And that's that is you're right. I mean, you talk about how and I think I saw this for a long time working as a designer and, and working with with designers, other designers and researchers. And there's this feeling that as a as a designer, I always had where I like I wanted more influence over the product. I wanted to be there at the very beginning. I wanted to, you know, I was very excited about what we could do with research and about the idea that you would go out in the field and you would talk to customers and get insights about what you should build. And then that would be how you discover what you should build. But I have become very cynical about that. And I think that it's, well, I can't point to 
a great product, a product that we're all using every day that changes our lives. Maybe maybe there is one um, that that came from that. That came from you know people going out and just without having an idea to start with, just exploring and talking to people. And I think that where it comes from is a feeling as a as a person on a team of wanting to have influence, of wanting to to help shape what happens, and. And that often leads to this frustration because I don't think that's the best tool for starting out. And I don't think that uh, that sort of overwhelming the decision maker and, and somehow like, you know, managing to politically root around them or something is, is the best way to go about things. You succeed, you have the best chance of success when you have a great leader on your team who, you know, sometimes gets it right and sometimes gets it wrong, but is, has all the tools at her disposal to make the best possible decisions. And so in the sprint, we're trying to do that for the decision maker, but we're also trying to like redirect some of that energy that comes from designers and researchers. And instead of trying to, you know, create something from scratch to have it come totally from the design team to bring the whole team along for that journey. And that's why the research is a huge part of it, but why it happens at the end of the week, because many teams are not ready to go out in the field and do that exploratory research. So you have a category of teams who just aren't in that mindset. And then there's another category of teams who are just like, they're, you know, they, they may be in that mindset, but they don't have the skills to do it right. It's really hard to do that discovery research in a, in a great way. And then even if you do, often the insights aren't necessarily there. I would rather have a team, like, build out what they're excited about and then start to get some feedback, start to get some reactions to those those ideas, and then let it the design process become something the whole team is involved in. And I think that leads to more satisfaction all around. And I've certainly seen that in sprints. You see teams kind of get excited about working together instead of feeling like it's us versus them or, you know, the team versus the decision maker. Yeah, it seems like even just the way you approach creating the design sprint you know, you, you basically took this approach of experimenting, yeah. right, and failing and yeah. making mistakes and wasting people's time and learning. It's a wonder from- I didn't get fired. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, but and it's amazing that you had that space because I think a lot of times, you know, because UX research is kind of a newer, you know, niche, people don't feel like they can, you know, maybe explore a new method or try something because they, you know, need to prove the value there. But I mean, it, it really seems like out of all of the experimentation, what you came away with was this, uh, you know, rigorous process for doing quality experimentation, because that's ultimately the yeah. design sprint is really like this, you know, moderated experiment. Totally. Yeah. And I think one of the big the big insights for me came from the fact that I had, you know, worked with um some great research researchers, most notably Michael. And Michael's so good at those one-on-one interviews. And Michael also has this confidence in those one-on-one interviews. He's like, you, there, you can get a lot out of those. You know, and I think it, those those are commonly called usability tests and they're very low status. They're low status in companies and teams. People think that's like the last thing we do to just check, the, you know, make sure before we launch. And so they're they're very low status. I don't think most researchers like doing them because they're low status. And you're like, the typical way they happen is like the researcher goes off and does them and then has to write this big long report and come back and like convince everybody because the news is always bad. It's like, here's the list of things that didn't work. All the frowny faces. And you're like, you're trying to like convince the team and I've seen this happen like so many times I've been on the other side and been the designer and be like no like I don't believe you like it's it's bad it's just like a and so those I think as those have become like you know th- those have been around for a long time but I think they're generally low status and so people have like looked to if you're a researcher you look to other avenues like well we want to do we want to create personas or we want to do this like 
this longitudinal studies. We're going to go into people's homes. We're going like, to live with them, like whatever. And I'm not to say that there's like no value in those, although I mean like personas, you really have to work hard to convince me that there's value in personas. But the but the thing is that those those usability tests, those one-on-one interviews are super valuable if and you can use them for discovery. You can use them early on. And what's great about them is that they are like they can be done so early. Like like whereas they're thought of as like this last ditch <laughs> effort. But they can be done like in the beginning. You can prototype something and do that, you know. On, on Friday when you started on Monday. And that's, I think, what's really exciting about, um, uh, about those, those interviews is how close they bring the team to the customer and how you cut out all of those reports, all of that like convincing and all that stuff that has to happen. Because if the team was in the room together during the sprint and then they watch those studies, everybody's like cares and, and it's just kind of magic. So it's sort of a Trojan horse for, for those interviews actually and for having people rethink what you know a usability test really means. Yeah, I, uh, I had this experience yesterday at work. There's this, uh, they brought in a, a presentation expert to like you know, teach yeah. certain people at work how to you know, improve their PowerPoints because yeah, yeah. we have a, a big conference coming up. And they asked me to do a presentation at the end of this training. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. They like caught me in the kitchen. And, and I did this presentation for five minutes, totally didn't take it as seriously as I should have. They recorded it. And then as part of the training, the whole group oh, watched wow. the presentation oh, wow. I had just yeah. given and critiqued it. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, okay, this is so valuable, but I feel really uncomfortable, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that like with a usability test, it, it kind of feels the same because you yeah. have this like, it's almost this very right. vulnerable moment yeah. of you've been working so hard on this product yeah. and then you watch it get torn apart, yeah. you know? And uh, I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about that because I think there's this hesitancy to show people because you're like, oh, yeah. it's not perfect. It's not ready. Totally. But yeah. there's so much that you like. I mean, I learned so much from having this group of people, yeah. you know, critique my presentation. And I was so glad that I got to do it. Right. But yeah, but like the emotional thing is not like you're not. I mean, I don't know. But like chances are I know how important it is and how helpful it is to have somebody like rip apart my presentations. But like and maybe right after it's actually happened, I'm like, oh, good. But like later, I'm probably not going to seek it out because it feels like like I have it's this so like sense of like, yeah. ugh. like and that's the way we usually feel about doing this kind of research. And so the part of the thing with the sprint is like you you have this big like uh, sort of sort of, you know, carrot that's like we're going to move really fast. We're going to have a prototype really fast. We're going to be able to test these ideas really fast. And that helps the team get over the hump of like and showing it to your customers might it might hurt to see that that, that idea is not not there yet. Um, you know, and so it, I, I think that the, the design sprint process, I've seen it help teams perception of research a lot because they start to get it and it starts to not be this thing that just feels like, you know, I'm going to get an electric shock every time we do it. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's one of the things I love about the sprint process too, is how totally involved everyone is. Like everyone in a way, you know, becomes the researcher. Like they're the ones helping yeah, design this test. Yeah. They're observing They're um, So I think that's, I think that's really, really important. So as you said at the beginning, a sprint is five days, which is a huge amount of time. It is, it is. And I'm sure that you get this question all the time, but how have you seen people get buy-in from an org to do a five-day sprint when they've never done one? Yeah. They don't, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. all hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
it is not always easy. So there's kind of <laughs> there's kind of two categories. One category is it's easy. People are already like excited about it, and then like great, you know, you go do it. But but when it's not easy, I think there are a few tactics that that help um, it, sometimes. So one of the tactics is you pitch it as an experiment. So you say like you don't have to believe that this is going to work forever for us, but but I, we you know I'd like to try it and we'll evaluate together afterwards. We'll evaluate whether it worked or not. I've heard such almost uniformly good things about people's experiences running sprints that I have a lot of confidence if you can at all convince your team to do it that it'll that that it, you know the results will be good when you evaluate it afterwards. Uh, I think sometimes people need to sell it as and actually somebody just wrote a really good post on Medium about this uh, about how to sell a sprint to your team to different groups how you sell it to developers how you sell it to uh, to you know. Um, decision makers, designers, so on. But one of the pitches for often for engineers is like we're going to make really fast progress. So often figuring out what the design is going to be takes a long time. And in a sprint, we all work together. You get your voice heard right away, and and you know by the end of the week, we'll know if we're on the right track or not. But we'll also we'll have made substantial progress, and that can be a big selling point. And then. I think that uh, another one is often to be like really honest with whoever makes the decisions about scheduling. And maybe it's the whole team, but to say, if you feel this way, if it's true, I don't think the way we're working now is making good use of our time. And I think that we're missing opportunities. I think we're going to, there's a big chance we're going to waste a lot of time on a, on a hunch on the wrong idea and end up wanting to strangle each other in four months. I want to do this because I think the way we're working is not working now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you if you do that, you're going to have to say, here's my plan for how we're going to, you know, make up for the lost time doing our regular, you know, stand-up meetings and whatever other meetings we'll have to cut. But uh, that honesty is important. I mean, if, you, if you've ever had the feeling, and I certainly have, of spending six months or 12 months working on something and then being like, my God, where did that year of my life go? And like, why, how did I get here? And I'm so frustrated. Like, don't let that happen. Like, have the tough conversation about it up front. But all that said, it is also true that sometimes it's just not the right problem yet. And you have to wait a little while until the it's the right timing for the team. So the, a new thing is starting, you know, and, and, and it feels like that that sort of gain you're going to get in speed is going to be more obvious to everyone. Yeah. How would you, you know, you just said not the right problem. Yeah. How would you help people identify the right problem? Yeah, good question. It has to be really big. Basically, it just has to be big enough that that you can – you know, the bigger it is, the more obvious it would be to everyone that, oh, a week of time is actually fast. Because for a big problem to to have a focused way to work together for a week and come up with a, a prototype of it being done is incredibly fast. You know, like if you're building something that's going to take a year, to, uh, that's super fast. If you're building something that's going to be done in a month, it's it's a lot harder to to make that you know, to make that case. So somewhere in the middle is the is the cutoff line. It depends for every team, but it just the bigger it is, the easier it is to make the case. Yeah. So I have a problem at work that I think a design sprint might be like actually work really well for. One of my main concerns with pitching it is or I shouldn't say main concerns, but one of the concerns that I have is I've never done one. Yeah, right. It feels like a big investment to ask you know, when I've never yeah, had the experience totally. of trying one out. Yeah. What's the best way to practice doing a design sprint before you actually, you know, get your company on board to make this big investment? That's a really good question. I've, 
I think I, I'll, you know, we've, we've tried to put as many materials out there as possible to make it doable for people to, to run their own. Yeah, and, I mean, it, I love how it, the book is even broken down day by day, yeah, and the book, hour yeah, by hour. And the book, yeah, the book has a ch- like the 15-page checklist at the end. We also have a bunch of videos of like um, sort of day-by-day videos that sort of talk about if you're facilitating things you need to know and and also show you some, some clips of what it looks like in the sprint, which I think is helpful. Uh, but it's it's true that like the first time you run it, I remember the first time I ran like one of these sort of facilitated brainstorm workshops and I had been, had, had gotten instruction from someone on how to do it, but it was like, it was sort of terrifying. So I I fully appreciate the, 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 the you know, when I ask someone to do it, when it's saying like, sure, just go for it. It's not that, it's, it is nerve wracking. Um, I remember when I did that, when I did that first uh, sort of workshop that followed a structure, that the the guy, this guy Charles Warren, who had taught me how to do it, said it's like getting on a roller coaster and there's rails, but they're invisible. There's like invisible rails, and so it's like you, you it, like when you go over that first, like you start to go down, like it can be like terrifying, but like there, it is there. You will be caught. It will work. Like the roller coaster works, um, and it does. And like the sprint roller coaster does work. So the first thing I'd say is like, I know it's scary, but do it, and like it'll work. I promise it'll work, but. If you want to build up confidence, I think the way to do it is, and actually, I actually never thought of this before, but it occurred to me just now. I think you can, if you can find a smaller team of it's like like-minded people and and do a smaller like like do basically like a piece of it, you know. So do part of what happens on Monday together, or do part of what happens like do the sketching exercise. Like for example, for a design or product team, to just do like the sketching exercise and then the like putting up the sketches and and doing dot votes on them. It's much smaller scope. It's a way to kind of maybe work through a feature question that you're working on and build some like muscle memory and kind of confidence that like okay, I know how this is going to go. I know how this is going to feel. The process will I catch me it. when I jump. Yeah, right. And also, I mean, I think what you're look what part of what anyone reasonably would want to look for is to be able to say to your team like yeah I've done this and like it'll work when we do it and it's if you haven't done it it's it's scary to say like I'm just reading from this book and these idiots like wrote this I don't know so yeah like yeah try pieces of it I think that's great advice because it is this process of building up enough confidence that you can make that big ask um, and know that you know you know with some level of confidence that you'll be able to deliver right on your side of of that equation what would you you know you just kind of said you could try different parts of it what would you recommend for people who you know don't have a full five days like they can only get three oh yeah yeah this is a common (laughs) this comes up this is a very common question because of course if we can do it in five why not three well the the problem with three with cutting it down really at all is that the the first things you kind of you have two choices. You can compress time. You can do all the steps in a shorter period of time. And if you have a really small team, that might work. If you have a team of like two or three, like maybe you can compress Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because it'll take less time to gather information. There just isn't as much information in three people's heads. And if you, you know, when you're sketching and it's going to take the same amount of time, but then when you review them, there's fewer sketches to go through. It's a little faster to make decisions. But, um, but if you cram all that stuff into three days, it's going to be a, a they're going to be long days. It's going to be tiring. It's going to feel, I mean, sometimes I feel bad about having used the word sprint because it sounds really exhausting. And in fact, a, a design sprint, like the hours are not that long. We're trying to preserve energy and make it not feel crazy. So if you cram it in, it's going to feel crazy and it's going to be tiring. People do that. And there's there's a bunch of teams at Google, actually, who will do these like 
three day like and I don't know how they do it. I mean, they're young. I don't know, but like it's just crazy. But the the other thing you do often, people will just cut off the end. They'll be like, okay, well, we're gonna do we'll do it in three days, and by the end, we'll have done the sketching and this decision making exercises. And they're good. I mean, all those all those days, the the process is good. But I can't tell you how many times on Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, I've thought boy, we've really figured this out. We've done such a great job in the sprint. And then we run the test and we're like, oh, wow, there's all these, you know, there's all these things that are not working or, oh my gosh, this is the, our sort of product market fit is not there yet. Like we really need to rethink this. And the, so the, the danger in cutting it off short is you lose the prototype and you probably definitely lose the test. And those are the most valuable parts of the whole sprint. So that's the that's the trick. I think if if you have to split it across a couple of weeks, so some teams might run Monday one week and then like the, the Monday steps one week and then run the, the rest of it the next week or potentially run the test on a following week. You just have to, it's hard because whenever you split it up, you start to lose momentum, lose sort of short-term memory of all of the, all the things you've been talking mm-hmm. about. I, yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Monday because as a researcher, I think Monday and Friday are most interesting. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, when I was talking to Michael earlier this week, he mentioned, you know, sometimes I'll go out and I'll do this research project to get ready for a yeah. Monday. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, there's like totally. generative research going on into the Monday. And I was wondering, yeah. you know, from your perspective, what is the best way to set, you know, to set yourself up for a successful Monday as a researcher thinking like, okay, in a week or in two weeks, we're running this design sprint. How do I make sure that Monday is super valuable? Yeah. If you are a researcher, so a lot of the teams that I work with and talk to um, don't have a, a full-time researcher there. They don't have, you know, maybe even someone who's, who's had experience doing it. So in, I can tell you this, if you run a design sprint and you you don't have research beforehand, you'll end up in a, in a good place. Uh, you, you're going to learn things, and you're going to end up doing research by the end of it in a way that's doable for people who ha- don't have a research background. But, but, but if you have a researcher, if you can do research before, you are much, much better off. And so if you can come in with research and, and start on Monday and share that research with the team in a very concise way, but like share with them what you've learned, it's an excellent input. And our sprints are much more successful when Michael does that. He When he goes off and does that research and presents it, Michael's an amazing researcher. He's been doing it for, you know, 25 years. He he presents things. He's just sort of no-nonsense. And so he's he presents things in a very concise way. And he'll, you know, in, in 15 minutes, he'll give us kind of this mental model for how how people think about the, the space. Um, and, and that... That is not always easy to reproduce, and so uh, when we talk about the design sprint, I, I I don't offer we don't usually offer like here's the recipe for how to bring in that research because I, I don't think it's that easy to do it real well, um, but if you can, it's great and it, it obviously sets things up really well. That's good to hear. I mean, because with Monday, I was like, you know, you have customer success people, you have these salespeople yeah. coming in, yeah. And it seems like there is like a, a great opportunity for someone totally. like Michael or a oh, researcher totally. yeah. on that day to, you know, it's really huge speed deal. it up even. It, oh, it's, it, really speeds, <laughs> it really speeds things up. Yeah. I mean, it, it clarifies that the map making, which is really the, you know, the hardest part where you really sometimes feel like you're just muddling through trying to figure out that map on Monday. And if you have research, it can crystallize it super fast. Uh, it's just that the, the reason why we don't emphasize it is that most teams, it's, it's challenging for them. Um, and also, if you imagine telling people like, 
well, it's not a five-day process. It's actually this like a know, month. six or more day <laughs> and process. And a road trip to visit all of your yeah, customers. Yeah, yeah. And that's, then it's, it's harder to, to say, we'll just try it once. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's obviously one thing that you said you've seen um, help the success of the sprint. Are there other certain things that you've seen that really led a sprint to be successful? Yeah, I think that it's w- one of the things that's kind of weird, but when you do a process like this where you're coming up with solutions for a problem, I think it's quite natural to think like, well, we've got to come up with a new, a new, like fresh, like innovative solution. And the best solutions are quite often old. They're quite often ones that the team already thought of, but just never quite executed on or, or somebody's had in their head for a while, but they haven't had the the chance or they just haven't done a good job maybe even of, of sort of articulating it, the, the idea, or the idea came along at the wrong time, whatever it was. But in a sprint, if you remember those ideas and if you bring them up and don't worry about always coming up with something brand new, the sprint's an amazing opportunity for lots of ideas to be on the table uh, on an equal playing field all at once. So the, the old idea from you know this person and the the idea from the person who's new to the team who doesn't have a lot of credibility with the rest of the team yet maybe or whatever they're all going to look the same when they're when they're hand drawn on the wall and um, and so that a lot of times you see an old idea do really well in the sprint you know which makes sense I mean the the idea that you're going to come up with something fresh especially that like an outsider like myself who would be joining the sprint would come up with like a great idea, it's it's a little implausible. It seems more likely that somebody who's been working on the project for months, thinking about the problem space for months, will have that stroke of insight. And so that's that's really like we always encourage people to to go back in time and dig deep and bring those things up. I think it always helps when you have a team that's got diverse skill sets and diverse opinions and sometimes even argues about what the right way to go is. So if you end up on Thursday building one or like two or three competing prototypes. So ideas that are a little, they're, they're risky, they're at odds with each other. And we'll often build these realistic prototypes that are have different brands. We'll make up fake brands. And then on Friday, you're testing these competing products head to head. That also increases our chances of success. I mean, partly because we have more, you know, m- more horses in the race, but but also partly because you really like. Then you're pushing it more. You're not trying to water things down, but you're saying like, no, let's go all in on this idea and all in on this idea, and that competition really really helps. Yeah. One thing that's interesting uh, is in the in the sprint book. I think this is another thing like the decider that kind of stood out to me because it isn't something that I hear all the time. Was just kind of the focus on the individual decision-making process that you then bring back to the group. You know, so as you said, you have these individual ideas that, you know, sometimes end up being the most successful. Um, Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's such an important uh, element of this conversation. Sure. Yeah, I think that the the really popular way for groups to come up with solutions is group brainstorms. And they they don't work that well. And I say this as someone who's been guilty of running a lot of group brainstorms. Uh, in fact, like for, for years I was doing that around Google. And I I think that part of the reason why we continue to do them is that they're, they're fun. When you're in a group brainstorm, it's usually fun. And it also just sort of like, it, it kind of intuitively makes sense that that if we all work together, we'll have better ideas and like that that's the path to creativity. 
And it's, it's not untrue that building on each other's ideas and things is good, but it ends up blocking individual ideas a lot of the time. And so on, on many teams, you'll, there's this situation where you'll have, uh, at least I'll talk about when I used to work on, on product teams at, at Google. It might be like me and maybe a product manager or something working on with a bunch of engineers and, and you know, test folks and researchers. And, and a lot of times it would kind of fall to like me and maybe the product manager to try to think through what's the shape of this thing? How's this thing going to kind of work? And, and maybe later on, like months later, I would hear from an engineer an idea about how it should work or from, you know, from the test person or from a researcher who had maybe been involved in it but didn't feel like, you know, he or she could like make the Photoshop mock-up or whatever. And like those ideas didn't come together at the same time. There were deeply like thought through ideas, but they didn't come, they weren't at the right time. So it was kind of like it was too late or it was frustrating to even like hear those other perspectives. So in a in the sprint, what we're trying to do is like reproduce that that deep, quiet thought that either happens or doesn't happen on on teams. But um, but it's hard. It's actually it's it's like really hard to find an opportunity for an individual to think quietly and then express their idea in a way that everyone can understand. If you're a designer, you know how to do that. That's your job, and you usually do it with you know with a, a high fidelity mock-up or or drawing or whatever it is. But most people on the team don't have a way to do that, and they so they don't have a way to get their ideas on the table. And it turns out that a lot of people, if you give them those tools, they can come up with good ideas. But especially for an introvert, for a person who's not comfortable making a high-fidelity mock-up, for a person who's new to the team and doesn't know how to get their idea. Like, yeah, giving them that space is They're really never going to get a shot. And so the sprint is going to sacrifice some of those building on other people's ideas, some of the fun and craziness of a group brainstorm. But you get depth and you get like those deeply thought-out, opinionated ideas. And, and then they're competing, and that's a little more interesting. Yeah. I'm sure that there are people listening to this right now who are kind of shaking their head and still thinking, yeah. like, but group brainstorms, you know? Yeah. And so I would love for, you know, you said, uh, I think it was in, in the book. I've read some other articles you've written as well now. But you, you basically said, you know, you had run these group brainstorms, yeah. actually even led trainings with like a hundred people at Google. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love it's the pretty story embarrassing. Of the, it's pretty <laughs> I love the story of the engineer just standing up and interrupting you in the middle oh, of one yeah. and being like, but how do you know that group brainstorms yeah. work? So I would love, you know, I would just love for you to say something uh, to how you, how you know that individual sure. ideation works better than that group brainstorm process. Yeah, it comes from like, a few sources. So there is research about this. And if you if you search for like group brainstorm research, there's there are these studies going back to like the 50s about group brainstorms. And they they consistently find that they don't work as well as like individuals will do better than groups at, at solving problems. I was aware of those studies when I was running group brainstorms at Google. And I just thought like, how can you really like study that? Like the, the group brainstorm just made so much intuitive sense to me that I didn't really buy the the studies. So I'm telling you their studies, but I don't expect you to buy it because I didn't buy it for a long time. The other part of it comes from my my anecdotal evidence because it's not it's not like double peer reviewed. It's just that I ran like, I don't know how many of these at Google, like, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of these at Google. And then when I had that moment and I was just like go doing it on confidence that like this makes sense. It's fun. People are asking me to come back and do it again. I'm going to keep doing it. And then I had that moment, that crisis of 
confidence when that guy stood up and he was like, how, he was just a jerk. And he's like, how do you know this works? And I was like, at the time, I was like, shut up. Like, I'm trying to run a brain. I'm, you're making a fool of me in front of 100 people. Um, but then I was like inside, I was like, oh, my God, like, wait a second. Do I really know? But I, yeah. And then I was like, I, I just like, you know, I, ha- I was like, oh, my God, like, I got to I, I have to be honest with myself. If I look back, I've been doing this for for, you know, a few years now. And I can, you know, I probably, I mean, probably been doing it for like two years, three years, but enough time that I could look back at the teams that had done brainstorms, come up with solutions in the brainstorms and then see like what happened to it. Nothing happened, you know, and, and, and I, I looked at all of them and I, I had been trying over the over the the time that I was running group brainstorms to tweak it to make it work as well as I could for at Google. And you could make the argument. I'm sure someone could do it better than I did, and someone could come up with like better tweaks to it. But I gave it like a good shot. And as soon as I switched after that, I switched and I said, the next time we do this, we're going to have individual work, and we're going to end with like a realistic prototype. And this was before working with Michael and figuring out how to do the test in the sprint. But the first design sprint where people were doing individual work, it was. The first, like the the thing that came out of that, like launched, like the the um, it's a small thing, but if you if you're if you use Gmail and you are looking at a message, there's like in the top right hand corner, there's like contact a little contact card about the person you're talking to, and one of the designers, this guy Jason, he designed that like in in the sprint and mocked it up, and like that one time versus like the you know whatever like the 35 group brainstorms before something launched versus like zero so it was already like one to zero after one and then like just i've just seen consistently how when we do sprints like when individuals come up with ideas the ideas are better the stuff gets traction it's more deeply thought out and and it works um so it's you you have to if you want to believe me it's a combination of there is some some pile of like science about it, which you could choose to believe or not believe. There's my anecdotal experience, which you could choose to believe or not believe. But I also think people in their heart, if you just look out there, you don't see a lot of products probably that were the product of like a crazy group brainstorm. Like, is that where the iPhone came from? Is that where like Snapchat came from? Is that where like Uber came from? Is that where like, like the, the things that we're using every day, is that, where the, the, is that how somebody thought of like the internet? They were having like a group brainstorm and they were like, I've got a crazy idea. What if we, like, that's not where stuff comes from. People have like a deep thought. They think it through. They have to like work out all the details and they have to figure out how it's going to fit. And then they make their case. And teams of people make things better together, but I don't think the sparks of those ideas are are like a group shouting out sticky notes. Yeah, and and I'm I'm so glad that that gets called out in this in the sprint. That's and that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about you know just reading through the book was like we kind of started the conversation with it's so many it's so many ideas that already exist right like there's this body of work on how maybe individual decision making is better than group yeah, brainstorming yeah. Old, everyone knows you yeah. should do a usability study yeah, it's, like, right. it's old stuff yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's old yeah. stuff but it's it's brought together in this way that feels very streamlined and it feels like oh yeah this is made for someone in 2017 as opposed to someone who is doing like product development 60 years ago or yeah, yeah, and I well, I I, I appreciate that. I, I think that the the um, the kind of th- that is, if there's anything unique about it, it is that it's that it's structured. And I had certainly found that it took me reading a lot of books about design and product development because I'm a nerd about that stuff. I really I care and I'm interested in it. And a lot of books, you know, it's hard to know how to apply design thinking. It's hard to know how to apply like the lean startup to 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 like what we're doing right now next week. And so 
the the idea with the sprint is it's not it's not glamorous to have a 15 page checklist. Nobody's like, oh my god, you're so cool with that I checklist. I love the checklist, but <laughs> but it does it does sort of clarify things. And then you're like, okay, that will just will just solve. We'll bring our best efforts to the table. We'll work together as a team. And all of a sudden, we're like, I mean, it's like uh, this is corny, but if you ever do like a ropes course or like a team like like playing a game or something. The structure's there, and you're just you're having fun together, and like it's like that. Only you're actually doing work. Yeah. So I just have a couple more questions. One specifically, you know, we've talked already a ton about how it's this five day process, but there's obviously you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people are just doing you know ongoing product development all of the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how would you recommend that they like how can they get value out of the sprint? Yeah. Even if they're not actually like is is there some learning that people can get for their ongoing product development cycle? Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think that there there are a lot of different ways that people develop products. And I was, um, I, I think some and one of the, as I said earlier, the the word sprint is a little confusing for some people because they're so used to agile sprints, and it's one of the downsides of using that word. Although it, it helped a lot in getting people to try it in the first place, so I don't I don't regret it, but uh, a little bit of regret. But um, but it's it works well if you do if you do agile development if you are running those kinds of sprints and you start with a design sprint. It's gonna it's going to give you a course to set off on as you develop your product. If you develop things in some other way, I was just listening to a great uh, interview with Jason Fried from uh, Basecamp, where 37 Signals, and he was talking about how they they talk about like a, a cycle. So they do like a um, like a six week cycle when they're developing products, and it, and a lot of teams do something kind of like that. Like they have some larger chunk. I think there's there's this frenetic nature of agile and like running sprints all the time that. Um, I don't love. So if anyway, whatever it is that you do to build your stuff, whatever kind of chunk of time and however that works, the sprint is a great starting point. So a lot of companies we found will think about doing a sprint like maybe once every quarter at the beginning of the quarter when they're thinking about we're going to do stuff in this quarter because that's just the way a lot of companies work. And they'll say we're going to we're working on this. We're building this new feature. We're building this new product, whatever it is. The sprint is a way to get everyone together to make sure that they're on the right course. They'll run a sprint. They might run a couple follow-up, like sort of short sprints where they're, uh, you know, they're refining the prototype. They're testing it again until they're sure, like we have confidence this is going to work well. And then they go into that execution mode. But I see it as like this: it's like steering mode, and then you, and then the ship sets sail, and then you like steer, you know, periodically. But you can't run design sprints, um, you know, 52 weeks a year. Yeah, definitely. What would you say, you know, let's say there's someone who's considering doing that. Yeah. Other than what you've said in the book, other than what you've said in this entire yeah. interview, what would you say to someone who's considering doing one right now? Doing a sprint, mm-hmm. the design sprint? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the big thing is you you should try it. And I, I think that I am more confident now that it works in a lot of different settings than I was when we wrote the book because of what we've heard back from people. The book is out. Uh, almost a, it's almost been out a year and you know as you mentioned earlier it takes a while to say like we've got the right problem we've got the right team I've convinced my team we're ready to run a sprint so I think that it's a it's a bit of a, a slower feedback cycle but we're starting to see these stories that people have, are running sprints and if you go to sprintstories.com you can see some of them but the stories are all over the place you know we've heard about 
teams uh, at uh, Prudential Insurance, KLM, the airline, running sprints. We've heard about um, a town council in the United Kingdom, uh, other government agencies running sprints, and um, the United Nations running a sprint, the British Museum running a sprint. Um, and I've heard stories from like NASA running sprints on things. And just like these amazing stories, uh, they kind of come from all over the place. And they're not just startups doing it. And they're not people who, you know, we talked to and like they didn't, you know, they didn't work with an agency. They didn't do anything fancy. I mean, in some cases, they, they're, they're working with agencies. And I think that's another cool thing is that agencies increasingly are, are doing this as a way to start off projects. So you should try it. Like it's working for so many folks, uh, but it's still in such an early stage that I think it's still a huge competitive advantage for teams to do it um, because it hasn't, I don't think it's spread as much as it's going to in the long term. So now's the time to get the biggest advantage out of doing it because it's still risky. It's still going to feel like this big new thing. You're still going to feel that, that like you're at the top of the roller coaster and the rails are not there, but they're there. So go for it. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week to hear from another thought leader in the industry. Suggest topics you'd like to have covered or individuals you're interested in hearing from through our Slack group, found under the community tab at mix-methods.org. See you next week.